Hey, thanks for joining us here on The House Podcast. We hope that you are encouraged by this message. If you want to learn more about The House, check out our website at welcometothehouse.com or download The House app. Amen. We're so glad you're here. Come on, give the Lord a hand clap. We're glad that you're here. So uh, we're going to uh, tag team a little bit. We're going to tag team. We, we, we do this uh, uh, maybe once in, in a while. We do this about every 16, 17 months. Because here's the thing is the world is always talking about love. That's true. Uh, we just don't really feel like uh, they're talking about it in a way that is always healthy. Come on, does that make sense? And so they're talking about it. And so if we're not careful, we'll be so, mu- so, uh, so much of a fundamentalist that we'll, there will be a religiousness that will be like, yo, we only need to talk about Jesus. And the truth of the matter is, uh, we do. Like, he's the doorway. He's the way to the Father. Like, that's a huge thing. But I believe that there are some institutions that God set up. Come on, somebody. And, and we've got to make sure that we are teaching, training, knowing, understanding, come on, how to do marriage. And so, let me just say this. I realize that not everybody's married today in the room. And so you would think, well, why are we going to talk about marriage when maybe only 50 or 60% of the room is married? Because we believe that there are some people who are married. There are some people who want to be married. And then we're raising up a generation of young people that have aspirations to be married. And we don't know what God's going to do. Yeah. You know, we're not saying that in this church you have to be married to be somebody. We're not, absolutely not saying that. But what we are saying is there is, there is an institution of marriage, and we want to make sure, listen, that if the world is talking about marriage, then the yeah. church, come on, has got to talk about marriage. Does that make sense? Yeah. And so we are going to say things today that will challenge you. And, and can, I just want to say this real quick as we jump into it. I, I didn't even welcome y'all, really. I'm glad y'all are here. I'm so fired up about this. I just want to jump in with both feet, yo. Um, And so I'm very excited about it. I'm excited for those of you who are online. But but I do want to say we're we're going to challenge you. And, And we did not write this sermon because I was thinking about you. We were writing this sermon because we were talking about us. <laughs> we're 18 years into this, and every point that we're going to talk about is something that we had to work on, struggle through, talk about. And so if it identifies with you, it's not a, um, a, a, a prescription, it's a description. And it's what we've committed to for forever. So we, we are believing that this is something that we can do every day from here, the beginning of your marriage to the end of your marriage and it still be something that's applicable and something that will help and build. And it's important for each of us as a Christian to know what the Bible says, even if you're single in this room or divorced or in a different season of life, the perspective God has is still important for us to hold. And because the world is looking to us and is looking to see what we believe. And so regardless of whether we're living or doing it right now, doesn't mean that we don't still need to know what we believe. That's right. That's right. So, but, but before we jump into this, uh, I know that Adam talked about it, but I, I just want to, to uh, once again, just communicate a little bit about the exceedingly and abundant campaign. We are asking you to pray about giving more than your tithe. Um, You know what I'm saying? We believe we're sowing where we want to go. And we have, go ahead and put that that, that building image up. Um, I want to make sure that you know um, God always asks a people to do something to get his message further. Yeah. Okay? Moses led the children of Israel, but they all had to line up. They all had to walk. They all had to live by faith, and they all had to go. And some didn't want to go to Canaan, but Canaan was where they were going. There's always been an opportunity. So I want you to know, as much as I love the fact that there are a lot of people that are cheering on where we're going, I'm asking you to participate with where we're going. Okay? We're going to have this building for a lot of people who need it. And we're going to do a lot of ministry there. But there's got to be some people that say, you know what? 
I'm going to sacrifice to help us get there. Okay? And so go over there. If all you can do right now is pray over the plans, go out after we get done, put your hands on them, and pray for it. Pray for provision. Pray for leaders. Pray for the kids. Just pray. Pray over the worship. Whatever your jam is, you can begin to pray over it. And then here's what I want you to do. I want you to ask God what he would have you do above the tithe. And we are already committed to this. We're already investing a lot over our tithe. And so I, I'm just saying, I'm not asking you to do what we're not doing. Uh, we are all in. And so, I mean, I'm, I'm ready to be all in. Yo, I was talking to my wife. I was like, okay, we just bought, bought a house. Could we sell it? Well, like, I'm all in. And I'm extremely in to see what God is going to do. And so, um, I, and so I'm, I wanted to just not bro- just move past it. I wanted to kind of let it sit on you. And I want us to, my hope is that we would share the responsibility in it. Does that make sense? Okay. Um, so we, we, I've got so much to talk about. Are y'all ready? Yes. Are you good? Are you excited? Y'all, okay. So it's, it's okay to laugh. Uh, when we talk about marriage, can I ask you just one thing? I just have one. Please don't nudge anybody. Okay? Don't look at somebody and go, <clears throat> don't, don't, don't do this. We were talking about that yesterday, weren't we? Don't, don't, no, no eye rolls, no neck rolls, you know what I'm saying? No pinches. We're not pinching anybody today. This is a non-pinching church. Okay? And, and let's just talk about this. Both Katie and I are excited about this new series. Uh, We're going to do it two weeks called How We Do. In in March, we celebrated, come on, 18 years of marriage. And and, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And in that time, listen, we've made some mistakes. Uh, And and we've learned some things. And and not only that, but we've had some victories. And and here's what I want to tell you. We love being married. We love being married most of the time. <laughs> Come on. Hey, like we love being married. We love it. We love it. But just because we, we love being married, I need to let y'all know for real, it's work. It's work to become one. Just because you walk down an aisle doesn't mean you don't have to do the work. It's work to become one. The bottom line is, is that God created marriage. Your marriage matters to the Lord, and he has a plan for it. And a a life-giving marriage is not just for the lucky or the unbroken or the relationally, uh, like, benefited or blessed or, like, uh, like, extrovert. It's not for just the gifted. It is for anyone who wants to look at the word and apply it. You know, so over the next two Sundays, Stephen and I are going to go over four viewpoints of marriage. And so these viewpoints, as Christians, we do want to look at the word. We want to look at what God says about marriage because there are a lot of opinions in this world. But the bottom line is it doesn't matter who says that they have the secret to marriage. If it's not based on the word of God, it will not work. And so we have got to make sure that not only do we hear these viewpoints, but we want to actively apply them to our marriage so that the people in the house can go from not just... um, I'm done, but we can go back to commit to I do. It's great. It's great. Matthew chapter 19, verse 4 through 6. This is where the four viewpoints come, and I'm going to give you four of them. We're going to talk about two of them today, okay? Haven't you read Matthew 19, 4 through 6? If you got there to open your phone, you probably, this is something you want, if you're married, you want, you want to read this a few times. All right, Matthew chapter 19, verse 4 through 6. Haven't you read, this is Jesus talking, he replied, at the beginning, the creator made them male and female. Our world's confused. Uh, and, and said, for this reason, a man will leave his father and mother and be united with his wife. The two will become one flesh. So they are no longer two, but one flesh. Therefore, what God has joined together, let no one separate. All right, let's, let's talk about four viewpoints from this text. The first is, we accept God's structure. It says at the beginning, Jesus is throwing it down and he's saying, yo, I know y'all are talking about divorce. I know you're talking about a lot of things, but let's come back to this. Come on. And let's begin to tell you who started the idea of marriage. And so we have to accept, as believers, we got to accept God's structure. The second one is we have to stay in sync. 
Look at, for this reason, for this reason, you left your family, you became united, y'all got together, you are now together, you got to stay in sync. The third one is, you got to see your mate as significant. Come on, you're going to leave your mama and your daddy and they're not significant? Listen, they are significant. You're no longer two, listen, but you are one. And, and, And the fourth one is this, we keep our marriage safe and secure. It says, but what God has joined together, let no one, come on, what does it say? Come on, help me, separate. separate. And so these are the four big views that we want to kind of navigate our life on, nav- navigate marriage on. We want to make sure that we keep these viewpoints in the forefront so right. that we, come on, listen, are not governed by culture, but we are governed by the word of God. And today, we are going to just go over the first two viewpoints, and then next week we'll finish the last two. So don't miss next week. Make sure you're here. Uh, But you know what? We are going to talk about sex in the context of marriage. So if you want to check your kids into kids' church, this is a great time to do that. We'll never talk about anything extremely inappropriate, but I do want to let you know as parents that that is something that's going to be discussed. But today, our assignment is becoming one. So the first viewpoint is we accept God's structure. And so we accept God's structure when we do three things. We value it, we choose it, and we receive it. You know, here's the thing is a a lot of us, especially if you grew up in church, you can value it, but we got to do all three. So let's look at it. Value it means our perspective of marriage comes from the Bible. It, uh, the meaning of marriage doesn't come from tradition or culture or even a bad experience. We, because if it does, then we will unknowingly reduce marriage to just a social construct right. and deny the fact that God set up marriage. We must be careful in our society that we don't devalue marriage. Marriage is not about suppression, and it's easy to become jaded and cynical, but as a Christian, we have got to remain life-giving in, this, in what God has created. We've all been hurt by people, so people come from families, and families come from marriage, and so oftentimes, marriage gets the bad rap as come if on. marriage hurts people, but people are broken, and people, people hurt, hurt people. people. Come on. And so that's one of the reasons why it's so easy and so important, it's not so easy, that our past hurt be healed. We've got to make sure that we recognize those wounds and those hurts and those triggers, and we have to make sure that we get the healing and the freedom that God gives through his word, through what he did on the cross, and what he did through re- the resurrection. And so we provide a life group about freedom uh, pretty much almost on our spring and fall semesters. And that's something that I would really encourage every single person in the room to go through, and not just once, but multiple times, because we value it so much that we believe that your perspective and everything in your life will change when you get free. Listen, listen, listen. We, we all have different experiences. And, and the truth of the matter is, if we're not careful, um, we'll, we'll begin to devalue marriage because of a painful experience. Right. Because of something that happened in our past. And I'm going to just be, be transparent. You know, I got married uh, uh, when I was 27. And, um, you know, I really wanted to hold off on marriage because of some things that happened in my past and the things that I witnessed from my mom and dad who got divorced. And one of the things was, as I was, was, was wrestling with the fact that I wanted to be married, but I did not want to, come on, have an affair, do a generational curse, hurt. I didn't want, I didn't want kids to be split. I didn't want, so I actually, even though I was internally, I valued it, but then I devalued it. Does that make sense? And so it's important for us to know that if there is a sting where marriage is concerned, we would challenge you to begin to get free. We, to, to get free, to, to allow God to heal that. Because, listen, someone's brokenness can taint God's picture. And we've got to go back, come on, listen, and get God's picture. The second thing is we choose it. So, so you got to value it. Oh, yeah, no, no. Marriage is between a man and a woman, and God set it up. A lot of people stop there. 
It's not only that you value it. Come on, somebody. you got to choose it. So it's not enough to just value marriage. we got to choose it. God created man and woman to come together. God is not random or casual. He is purposeful in his structure. God has a way that he does it. God didn't want man to be alone. So we brought man and woman together in a covenant relationship. God knew the connection between man and woman would intensify. Come on. Listen, he didn't need boys to men to play in in order for it to be like, yo, it's going somewhere. Like, like God knew it would go somewhere. Does that make sense? And so because of that, that connection should move toward a covenant commitment. Where there is security, longevity, and stability. As long as mankind has been alive, listen, we've been struggling with choosing God's structure. Eve struggled. Like, Like, so there is absolute no condemnation, but mankind always wants to change it, replace it, deny it, and reduce it. That's why the church has got to talk about it. God established marriage between a man and a woman. And if you're in a relationship in the room and and the question you want to start asking is, where is this headed? Where are we going? Uh, Because it's important as a Christian to look at the word. And so I'm about to say something challenging that we see and what we don't see in the word. What we don't see in the word are options than marriage, like besides marriage. We don't see options to live together or to have casual sex or to have friends with benefits. And so that's hard to swallow in a a culture that really adopts that as normal and as healthy now. And so as a church, we don't want to condemn. We don't want to bring down someone, but we do want to help someone. So if you're in a relationship and you find yourself in that situation and you have some reason why you can't really take it to marriage right now, I want to encourage you you can always come to us or our staff and we want to help you win we Listen, don't want oh, go, go ahead no i just want to hit that because that, that's a that's, we are inserting a biblical truth right. into a culture that yo i mean every tv show that is tvma makes sex casual the enemy perverts it i got my hair cut like three weeks ago and I was talking to this lady. She's super cool. And she was talking about how she belonged. In, she, she went to church, grew up in church. She had got a boyfriend. They got pregnant outside of marriage. And she said, I, I can't go back to church. And I was like, why? And she had felt so condemned. And so listen to what I'm saying. It is our responsibility to teach the truth. Right. It is not our heart to beat you over the head with it. I don't ever want people not to come back to church because they feel like you're going to be judged. Listen, I don't want you judging me, and I'm not judging you. But we still have to instruct, does that make sense, what God's standard is because that's what we're aiming for. Come on, we're not aiming for what the world thinks. We're not aiming for whatever. So this isn't heavy, it's guidance. And and so I just want to say this last thing and then I'll let you roll, is that... That, man, if you're in a position where you're like, man, we want to get married, but we can't, mm-hmm. come talk to us. Right. Man, I, I, listen, listen, I, I'll invest in a wedding dress, and we'll get someone at the church. Come on, listen. We'll throw this thing down. I'll call four or five ladies. We'll get the things rolling, and we'll get, does that make sense? Listen, what I'm, I'm not telling you, you have to do this, and if you don't, you're going, right. I'm saying, how can we help? Right. Mm-hmm. Because we know that over the last 30 or 40 years, Culture has reduced God's standard. And the thing is, is that we have been given a way to thrive, God's way. But God's way, you know, it's easy to be like, oh, that's so hard. But I also want you to know we've been given a way to do God's way. Like God says we can do all things through Christ who strengthens us. And so when we say, okay, Lord, I'm going to trust you and I'm asking you to help me, you can do it God's way and you can thrive in your relationship. But next, one of the things that we have to do as we accept God's structure, and this is the, la- uh, the last thing, is we receive it. 
So marriage is a blessing, not a curse. So everybody say that. Marriage is a blessing. Marriage is a blessing. It's okay, blessed. so that's not what the TV show says, the sitcom on, during the week says. Ball and chain. Generally, it is a negative connotation. That's right. Uh, but you know what? God didn't offer marriage and bring people together to destroy their lives. He offered it and created it to make life. Come on. And so we know God is a good father, and we know he gives good gifts. And so let's start with that. Life is a gift, okay? Youth is a gift. Old age is a gift. Singleness is a gift. And marriage is a gift. And we can say marriage is blessed because we know God gave it. We are always trying to devalue our season and act as if it's not a gift. Right. Whatever season you're in is a gift, even if it's something that you didn't ask for. Come on, who doesn't like a gift? A gift must be maintained or it turns into a burden. Each of these gifts have the ability, each that Katie just listed, have the ability to see multiplication and reproduction. No, no, each of these gifts, if you're young, you can multiply, come on, and you can see reproduction. If you're old, you, if you're breathing, come on, I don't care if you're retired, you can still have multiplication and reproduction. Come on, if you're single, you can still have multiplication and reproduction. If you're married, does that make sense? Like, yeah. it, every season is a gift. But in marriage, no other relationship has the potential for oneness, yeah. a demand for self-surrender, Okay? Listen, listen, if you're going to get married, what you said I do to is you said, instead of I do, you say I die. (laughs) Because you're you're opening the door to self-surrender or to develop unconditional love. Like that's what marriage pushes you to do. Marriage allows us to understand God even deeper. Because this is the picture on earth of oneness. And that's what God wants with us. He wants an intimate relationship with us. And so when we look at marriage, it is to help us understand God even deeper. Okay, so marriage gives us an opportunity to um, come together uh, and and see spiritually as one. But then we have to work to be physically one because the physical part of becoming one is the hard part. Um, The structure of marriage in some case provides, you know, the blessing of children, grandchildren, family, all those things. Uh, But we have to look at the fact that that's how God built everything. Families are built on marriages. Societies are built on families. Nations are built from societies. So everything that you see around us has been built by God's structure. God's plan for marriage strengthens the family okay it provides protection and it produces community and that's why we have to come on agree to god's structure so so before we move to the second point okay uh we're halfway through you guys are doing great okay you want to make sure to ask yourself do i emotionally believe in god's structure Mm -hmm. or do i uh, uh, in a, with a philosophy, um, do I, uh, with my theology, do I believe, come on, listen, in God's structure? Yeah. Because here's the thing. If you're married and God's structure for marriage is whimsical, then you will make up your own plan. That's why we have to submit to God's structure. Does that make sense? And so that's why when we chase someone, when we get married, when we do, it's very important that they understand the structure because here's the, I'm going to be real. There have been many times when marriage has been hard between us. And you know what? Their marriage wasn't safe and secure. Does that make sense? We weren't valuing each other's significant place, role in our life. We weren't in sync. But the only thing that we had is we knew God's structure. And so that began to go, we're going to have to fix all the rest. Because that is what we, does that make sense? Like that was the foundation. And so then it began, we hit the foundation and now we're going back and we're like, okay, we're going to have to get in sync and I'm going to have to slow down. You're going to have to speed up. You know what I'm saying? Like we're going to have to work on this because we hit the foundation, the structure. And that's why it's important. 
The second thing, viewpoint from Matthew chapter 19, is we stay in sync. We stay in sync. Listen, no one stands at the altar wanting to be married thinking, I can't wait till it fails. Like like nobody does that because it's a lot of money. I mean, even a fast, impromptu wedding, you're going to be down like 3K. You know what I'm saying? Like, like nobody's thinking, I invited all of everybody to explain why. Yeah, yeah, hey. Okay. Church, for a thriving marriage, you got to stay in sync. I, I, I get so frustrated, frustrated sometimes. I got these Bluetooth headphones. And if I uh, go different places, if I switch devices, if I do, I always have to re-sync them. And it's always like, you hold it down, pairing. You know what I'm saying? And, and just kind of a transparent moment. This is not in our notes. But my wife is a Bluetooth uh, challenge. Um, <laughs> I, I bought her some really awesome Bluetooth headphones that really work that my son wants to steal. And um, it's very hard for them to stay charged. And now that we're a year and a half into it, um, she still, really just still doesn't know how to pair them. And so here's the thing is in our marriages, you've got to have to learn how to pair. That's right. You're going to have to learn how to sync. And you don't want to keep doing this for a long time, still trying to figure out if you're going to sink or not. Come on, does that make sense? Like this is what you're committing to. You're committing to be one. You're committing to sink. And so let's just talk about this. If we want our marriages to stay hot, fun, and life-giving, you're going to have to stay synced. To do that, you can't have the mindset, well, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. Just going to say, that's a terrible philosophy. (laughs) Because that philosophy only acts when something's broken. Good marriages require attention, maintenance, come on, and fill-ups. Yes, you know, it reminds me of years ago when we were on a trip uh, from Florida to Arkansas. We used to live in central Arkansas, and we ran Be The One Ministries, which is a missions organization that we still have outside of Bring your young people, it's awesome. Yes, this summer, Be The One Ministries. Uh, but here's the deal. We used to travel pretty much full-time with four kids. And so uh, we were in Florida for a week doing lots of ministry. We were crazy, and, y'all. Uh, we were crazy. crazy. But uh, we drove all the way back uh, to Arkansas. And, you know, of course we want to get the fastest route. We go to the GPS. We're like alternate route, alternate route, looking back for roads. the fastest one. So we choose a route. It takes us the back roads, the small towns. And um, here we go across, you know, uh, what is it, Alabama, We're coming from Florida, all Arkansas. All that goes well. We get into Arkansas. And, you know, I'm like, hey, there's about, like, we have about a quarter tank of gas. And so um, I'm thinking, you know what, you know, we probably should be starting to think of stopping. And he, of course, is like, I think we can make it. We, we have enough it. right now. And so, okay, no big deal. We still have plenty and we get to the next small town. We had already passed a couple of gas stations, and this small town in the gas station there was closed. Focus. It was around 6 p.m., and I was like, huh, that's weird that this gas Who station closes is gas closed stations at, at 6? 6 I'm like, it's daylight. And Come so, on. Stephen's still holding on to the mantra, oh, we can make it. We Let's look to it. the next one. We can so make we it. passed another gas station closed, another gas station closed. Now we have the light on, gas station closed. Now it's dinging, and I'm like, oh, Lord Jesus. We went from we need to fill up to God. <laughs> I am praying and you right Fumes. now to keep us going. Uh, provide a gas station that's open. Man, you know what I'm talking about? You know that time, man, where you're like, I got to be strong. We're going to make it, but internally you're like, <laughs> that, that's where I'm at. Okay, so we had no idea at this time how our vehicle was still going. I was like, God's just answering Fumes. our prayers. But um, we were in the middle of nowhere, and it happened. We didn't make it. <laughs> we did not make it. We were so stuck, stuck. and stranded and frustrated, frustrated and really hopeless. She was very mad. We have been driving, come on, for like hours. Time. Babies are in the back. Uh, there's a friend that, that went with us. And so, like, like, listen, like, when I tell you we were stuck, there was no lights, <laughs> no, no hope of, 
you know, uh, towns and cities, and no, there was nothing. We're in the middle of nowhere. We're stuck. We're on the side of the road. The kids are using the bathroom in the woods, and thankfully, <laughs> a truck stopped and grabbed Stephen. So 30 minutes to the gas station, 30 minutes back, me and the kids are just hanging out <laughs> and waiting for him. It's not uh, my but... best day, y'all. It's not my best day. It was I'm, a crazy I was a man of faith. Moment. It didn't work. Listen. But as pastors, we do see a lot of marriages that, you know, they feel like they can make it, but um, they really aren't going to be able to make it. You can't keep going on fumes. You have to stop to fill up. Come on, you got to fill up. Every single marriage will end up stuck and frustrated and stranded if we don't make sure that we fuel up. Listen, listen. If you feel stuck, like your cycle, you're having the same argument. Come on. Over and over and over again. And, 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 and you as the man are like, she's crazy. And you as and, the and, woman is like, he's crazy. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, you're stuck. Yeah. You're, you're stuck. You're at an impasse. Mm -hmm. Okay? And so here's the deal. You're both trying to come from, uh, you, we need less lawyers and more lovers. Yeah. Okay? You're not trying to present your case and win it. You're trying to move forward together. Come, come on, does that make sense? Yeah. And so, you know, we don't want you to be stuck. We don't want you to be stranded. We don't want you to constantly be frustrated. Like you having to breathe deep every single day you're around this person. Like, I love you, but I just hate you. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, it's, it's, you got to fill up. Mm -hmm. And so you got to fill up the love tank. You got to begin to do the things that invest into your relationship. Come on. And that means you're going to have to care and not control. Come on, listen. You're going to have to make deposits, not demands. You've got to lay down wanting to be the smartest and most intelligent and logical person in the room. Because here's the thing. You might be controlling. If you really, come on, help. is this good? Say it's good. Come on. Remember, no nudging. We're not nudging. We're not nudging. For us, it, for us to, to fill up, you know, that means our spouse begins to get our attention. Listen, we don't want to be on the side of the road in an emergency before we begin to listen. We, we want to fill up early and often. Sometimes you need help. Listen, I needed help. And, and if you need help, listen, we have a marriage life group. We have freedom. We have other things. Right. Don't sit there and just be stranded right. thinking it's going to get better just because you want it to. Take a couple minutes. Get synced. Begin to, to talk. Begin to sync yourself up. And we feel like there are three ways that you get synced in a marriage. Mm -hmm. It is your communication. Yeah. It is your finances. Mm -hmm. And it is sex. These are the three ways right. that you can begin, come on, listen, to sync up. And so let's talk about the first one. you got to practice, practice communication. Mm -hmm. yeah. The hardest part of marriage <laughs> is communication. Yeah. It takes practice. I know you got your degree in communication, but you did not get your degree in marriage. That's right. Come on. Everyone can talk, but that doesn't mean communication has happened. Many times marriages are held hostage by assumptions, misunderstandings, and defensiveness. Uh, oh, what'd you say? Oh, I know what you mean. I actually don't mean anything. I'm just talking really fast. I'm talking in shorthand. I text a lot. I'm talking in text. Come on. Many times, yeah. listen, we got to focus on what's going, what am I assuming yeah. they're doing right. that they haven't told me? Mm -hmm. Or what am I assuming they're not doing? Misunderstandings, defensiveness. This means, listen, there could be a broken or lack of communication happening in marriage. And becoming one means we have to talk and we have to listen. And if you think about it, when you began your relationship, that is what you did. That's what you did. You talked and you listened about everything. You talked about feelings. You talked <sighs> about personalities. <sighs> you talked about each other's parents and backgrounds and stories and what each other did that day. There was so much communication that drew you together that it's important for us, if we're married, that we remember that that can never stop. 
Talking and listening has to continue. That's what brought you together, and Come that on. is something that's going to keep you together. We have to keep talking and listening. Uh, but the bottom line is, once you're married, you add a lot of responsibilities and expectations. And listen, stop. that's the difference. It is. When you're dating, there's not a lot of responsibilities right. for you to manage with each other, and the expectations are low. It's just show up. Let's eat a meal. Yeah. Let's kick it. Let's have fun. Yeah. But once you, come on, yeah. once you begin to start adding responsibilities, uh -huh. then you're like, ah, we don't have time for fun because, ah, you know what I'm saying? I got to take the kids here. It's so funny in marriage because I don't know if you've thought about this, but the, in marriage, it moves from us, a girl, to fuss, you got a baby. You know what I'm saying? And they just crying all the time. You used to sleep. You all used to talk. Now you're in the fuss stage. To the must. Come on, listen. I must do this. I, my whole life's on pause because I got to feed them. I got to change that. I must. I must. Okay? Listen. Then you move to the bus. That's what phase we're in. Yes. We're in the bus phase. Like our kids got calendars and all our full-time job. Our, we, we used to be pastors. Our full-time job is starts at like 530 <laughs> and we pick them up and we go here and we do this and the youth group and, and which we love. Come on, somebody. We love it. We love, we're so glad they have a positive place to go. But we're in the bus <laughs> phase. And then here's the deal. They begin to leave. And then you either combust or you adjust. Yep. Because you've spent so much time focusing on responsibility that you've got to bring it back to the us phase. And if you do that well, you will, have, you will be entrusted yeah. with legacy and connection yeah. and family. Does that yeah, make sense? Absolutely. And so we're wanting you to win, come on, in all the seasons of life. We have to remember that we are building a life together. And so you think about companies and corporations, they're building something. They have to have a lot of communication. And maybe you and your job, you think that's my main part of my job is emails and communicating and making sure the team knows. Well, guess what? Your marriage building something. is building something. And there has to be a lot of communication, not only in details, but also deeper mm. than that. This, there's an intimate part of marriage that doesn't match any other relationship. And so more communication is needed. You think about all this, the plates that we're spinning. We're spinning emotions. We're spinning uh, expectations. expectations. We're spinning future plans and timelines and the other things that we've added to our life. And so we are able to spin those and we are able to build a life together that ends up at the end together Good. when we communicate Good. a lot. Listen, you have to manage romance, busyness, business, yeah. rhythms of life. Somebody say communicate. Come on, one, two, three. You got to communicate. Like, you got to get good at it. That means, listen, you have to fight for clarity. Not fight your mate. But fight for clarity. So we're, we're going to give you just a, a few thoughts r real quick. Just some practical ideas. Um, for those of you who are married, in a relationship, whatever, this is going to help you. Even in your friendships, don't do drive-bys. Okay? Yeah. Don't make drive-bys your source of communication. Drive-bys are, I'm going to tell you what you need to know. And so... We're going to text. We're going to talk real quick. We're going to be, okay, I'm taking the kids here. You're going to, you're going to, like, come on. We're going to have to put some love. We're going to have to spend a little bit of time. You didn't, you didn't marry a business partner that I just need to give you the need to knows. Listen, drive-bys are great, but sometimes we got to slow down the communication. Sometimes quick and fast doesn't work. Sometimes there's more details. Yeah. And sometimes, listen, the conversation needs to be longer. And so there's usually someone in the marriage that loves to talk. Ooh, you a talker. You're a man or woman. You're just like, let's have a meeting. And you want to talk about something for like an hour that's like a five-minute combo. Okay? We need to get over that. Listen, you, you, I just need you to know you're wearing them out. Okay? And the reason they don't want to have a conversation is because they remember how long the last one was. Okay? You're wearing them out. On the flip side, come on, somebody. You, you trying to put everything into, like, 
you, you want to have Twitter conversations. You want everything to be 140 characters or less. And you're like, I just don't know how to tell you about my heart or my feelings or my emotions or my dreams or my hurts or my pains in 144, in 140 characteristics. I'm mean, like, I'm really hurting. It's bad. And I've cried a lot. Like, I'm going to have to have you have a little compassion and show a little love and let me get there. Because honestly, I don't even know what I'm feeling. But I am feeling like I want to talk to you. And so because we said I do, who else you want me to talk to? My old boyfriend on Facebook has been reaching out to me. I could do that. Or we could sit down and talk. But if you don't fill it up, right. come on, somebody else is going to. That's right. And here's the thing. Someone else is willing to. Come on. It's both. Right. It's both. And the thing is, is we have to equally take responsibility for that. And that's why both of us agreeing to have a God-centered marriage is really important because you can build something from that. When both of you are not agreeing on everything, you're agreeing on the fact that you want to accept God's structure. It's good. You're it's agreeing good. on the fact that you want to get in sync. There's a lot of different opinions on a lot of different ways to do things. But those two things we have to agree on. So the second thing is on uh, communication is easing up on the surprise responsibilities. You know, if a decision we make requires something of the other person... We've got to make sure that we give them that time to like process they know. <laughs> and communicate to them what we have now committed on their behalf. Okay, Surprise, so. you're doing this, this, and this, and this, and we're doing all this, and it's awesome. <laughs> and they're like. We have to be here at this time. And they're like, wait a minute, what? Now there's anxiety. Everybody's fighting. Nobody knew about it. Right. You know what I'm but yeah. come on. Listen, less surprises. Mm -hmm is more peace. We want to value the other person knowing that they have responsibilities that we don't know about. And so if we commit something or we give them a surprise responsibility, we have to think about the fact that actually, you know, I thought it would all work out, but this other person involved in the situation may actually have something else going on or to do or need to do. And so we have to make sure that we are in sync in that area and not surprise each other. Um, but we have to go ahead. You, you, you didn't marry a bellhop. Right, that's right. You married a partner. Uh -huh. And so that means that they both have things that they're doing. Yep. And they're not just doing what you, you want. <laughs> Come on, does that make sense? Right. Like, you have to ask. Yeah. Not assume. Yeah. Oh, well, they're not doing anything. Did you ask them? <laughs> because, does it make sense? And so that doesn't, I'm not saying that there are not surprise moments. Right. Hey, the, the meeting went longer. I can't pick up the kids. Is that something right. you can do? Mm -hmm. Absolutely. That's because part it's, of I mean, if we can't be flexible, we can't succeed. That's bottom right. line. That's so right. as right. much as we don't want to just surprise our spouse all the time, we also, I mean, bottom line is we're in each other's lives to help. And if we are not able to help because we are inflexible, then we aren't really doing what we're, we got into it to do. That's right. um, bottom line is, is we are here for each other and we want to help even if something, an emergency comes up. It's good. Uh, we want to make sure we don't talk at each other, but we talk with each other. This is something we are doing together. We do good. value the other person's perspective. And the reason why we're communicating is to get on the same page. We can't do that with one perspective. And so we're not talking at each other. We're talking with each other. And we got to speak up. Up and listen well. Don't assume that what you said was clear because most likely you had a piece of that conversation in your head that you actually never communicated. And so we have to make sure that what was in our head gets right. out. And we also it's have good. to make sure that once we talk to each other, we realize that there's probably a piece that they didn't get because we probably didn't and do so it as for well as some, we wanted to. And so for some, you, you speak up all the time. You, like you're, right. you have an A <laughs> in speaking up. Uh, uh, and some of you listen well. You have an A in listening well. Usually the discipline part is where the listener now actually has to be a communicator. Mm -hmm. right. And the talker has to be a listener. Yeah. That's the sign of spiritual maturity. In our relationship, Katie's more of the listener. I'm more of the talk surprise. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> but I have had to learn to value what she's thinking that she probably has not expressed mm -hmm. because I know there's a lot in there. And if I don't pause, she's not going to overpower me to get it out. 
So that's a discipline on my end to go, what do you think? Even though most of the time I already have the plan. You know what I'm saying? But then she begins to talk and, and I'm like, dang it. That's better. And it's you know a saying? discipline on my part to communicate. Because sometimes it's just easier to go along with the plan already made rather than to, hey, this is another part of the plan or another thing that we can see and it will make it better. But it's a discipline on my part to say, actually, we do need to take the time to make it better and do this as well or do this differently. And so um, we. the other thing is, is that usually there's a more emotional person in a relationship and then a less emotional person. And that person often is the one who communicates with a lot of feelings and a lot of confusion uh, because we're communicating what we're trying to communicate as well as our feelings. And so it's very difficult to understand that sometimes. So there is a lot of work that we have to do for one person to communicate feelings and the other one to actually communicate more concisely and with simpler words and uh, shorter. Y'all, I want to laugh so much right now because this is us. Like, like, my wife had to be like, listen, feelings are a real thing, and you need a few. You know what I'm saying? Because I'm like, let's just be logical. That doesn't make sense. That, that doesn't make sense. Come on. And in my younger years, I'd be like, that idea is, you know what I'm saying? You know? And she would be like, hmm, that actually hurt my feelings. And I'm like, get tough. You know what I'm saying? And she's like, I'm going to show you tough. And I'm like, please don't. Come on. Come on. Listen. That, that's an excellent point because that is something that I feel like the world will not address. The world will only take one person's side. The world will only be like, oh, they weren't, you know, they just wouldn't be intimate. They weren't emotional enough. They were just so insensitive. And they take a side. Or, man, they were too emotional. They were just out there. They were, nobody could understand them. They're, they are totally confusing. And we're always trying to take one person's side. But in marriage, we have to remember we are on the same side. We are one. We are on we each are other's one. side. We, we are, are each one. other's cheerleader. And we want to know what the other person has to say. And we want to discipline ourselves and our weaknesses so that we can thrive. Good. So the more emotional one is going to have to be more clear. And the less emotional one is going to have to be more sensitive. And we both have responsibility in that listen the second thing is this are, are y'all getting some out of this come on come on is this good all right cool five of you awesome awesome come on come on listen listen as we're talking about staying in sync uh we got to plan out our finances we got to plan out. Dreams are important to your future. You got to have them. The dreams that you have will require both a plan and money. Okay? Manage your finances it is an important part of becoming one. When we got married, we got into more discussions, <laughs> discussions uh, over money that those discussions turned into conflicts. Come on. Why do conversations about money turn into conflict? Because the Bible says that wherever your treasure is, come on, that is where your heart is. And so it's uncovering something deeper. Money reflects who we trust. As a married couple, we are having to get on the same page with our income. We are learning how to trust deeper by looking to the Lord, come on, and looking to each other. Yeah, and in every marriage, there is a spender and a saver. Uh, we need each other to be able to produce what he has for us with our finances. And so becoming one means working through those differences and coming up with a plan. Okay, so both of us can comp commit to a plan once we come together and say, okay, I want to spend a little bit. And the other one says, I want to save a little bit. Now how do we bo do both? Come on. And so we're not against each other. We know that our mate is in our life for a reason. And whatever they tend to do, spend or save, yes, is what we need. Come on. So before we can thrive, um, we have to stay teachable in this area of finances. And so I'm a saver. I was raised uh, to <laughs> save money because you can't control the future. You can't control, uh, you know, you can't make sure someone else takes care of you. You have to make sure you're secure and you are protected. So when we get married, we got married, I had money. 
<laughs> but actually, you could really probably say that money had me because I really walked in a lot of fear in this area because of the fact that I believed that really my security was in how much was in my bank account. And so any amount of spending was a huge, really anxiety in, in everything. All the joy and the peace just went out the window when we started talking about spending money because I cared so much about saving, which was a good thing, but it was just out of context. I so. saved her from that. I was the spender. <laughs> and uh, uh, let me just tell you this. Um, well, where my spenders at? Come on, spend. Be honest. Be, no shame in your game. Come on, you like to spend. Listen, listen. Money, listen, never stayed around long in my bank account. Uh, and, and listen, I had a couple things. I, I had a home. I, I was paying for a car. But um, spending was a coping mechanism for me. It was a way that I found happiness. Mm -hmm. And so I grew up in a home where we did TGIF. And every Friday, come on, there was pizza, Coke, and full house. And so, like, like I was taught that if you want to be happy, you have to spend, come on, money. Yeah. money. And so I had, uh, the way I coped was I had a bad day. We're going to spend some money. You know, things got rough. I want to spend some money. And so here's the note. God put Katie in my life to help me learn disciplines and say no and live on a budget. And God put Stephen in my life so that I could enjoy some of the things that we could have, uh, that it was okay to spend and that we could have some nice things and actually work for a reward. <laughs> That's right. That's right. We enjoy the fruits of our labor. When planning out your finances, there is a concept that we see overall in the Bible. It is 10, 10, 80. The Bible, and we do, we, we, we talk about tithe, but, but it is, listen, 10% goes into the tithe and it is the first part. You yeah. want to talk about that uh, a little we bit? We give God our first and our best. And we talk about that here every week at the house because we believe the word says that there is a protection on those who tithe. And so we give an opportunity in worship every single week Good. to give our 10% of our income, our tithe. And we believe the Bible also tells us that the 10%, that first and best, goes to the church, goes to where you're being fed. And so that's why we have that opportunity here. And because we want the people in the house to be protected. Uh, the other part is the save 10%. We believe the Bible right. talks about the fact that a wise man can't spend to the end of his means. Uh, some of you may have grown up in a house that you lived paycheck to paycheck. That is not God's plan. It doesn't mean that your parents were bad or wrong. They were doing the best they could to provide for you. Good. But spending to the ends of our means is not God's plan. And we as a family under God's principles can thrive when we tithe in and save 10. Because we do believe God has a future in store for us. And so when we save, we are planning for the future that God has. We're ready to obey him whenever he asks us to. Uh, but we don't ever get paid without putting money in savings. And so if that's foreign to you or that's new, you can start this week by putting a dollar in savings. And you think, well, that won't make a difference. I promise you that one decision after another decision of faithfulness and obedience will make a huge difference in your future. You may only be able to start with 1% of your income yeah. that I'm going to put in savings. That, that, may, that may come to $40. That may come to $400 a year. Yeah. But listen, the Bible talks about that there's a blessing on those that leave a legacy to their family. Yeah. And you can't show up at legacy time trying to figure out how we're going to do it. Mm -hmm. And so, listen, what we believe is we manage the 80. So 10 goes to the Lord. 10 goes to our savings account. And listen, we begin to grow that for the rest of our lives. Savings is not an alternate checking account. Come on, somebody. And we don't want to. And listen, we have a finance class. You can take that. So I'm not getting into credit cards and all that because some of y'all are super wise and you only take the points. But I'm just telling you that game is a losing game. Right. And you have to be very disciplined in right. order to play it. Does that make sense? We would rather you begin to put in 1% in savings. Don't ever work all week and never pay yourself. Paying yourself is what you get to keep.
Don't ever pay yourself and don't keep anything. 80% is what needs to be managed. That's for your bills, your budget, your whatever. And can I just say this? In marriage, it takes both of you to have visibility that's over right. the finances. Yes. Well, you know, there may be one that's gifted to run the finances and manage it, and maybe they're more organizational, but you don't want to be in marriage and have no idea. Right. Where your account is, who has the accounts, like your name is on both accounts. Come on, does that make sense? Like you want to know where the money's going. And you can tell, Katie totally trusts me. I totally trust her. We don't check up on each other because we don't trust each other. We check up on each other because we do trust each other. It's accountability. Does that make sense? And this will determine what you can and cannot spend. And basically, it protects you from overspending. Because overspending will put, basically, stress on your marriage. It will. It creates distrust between each other. And it it creates lack in your home that affects more than just you. And so, overspending is also, basically, lack of self-control. And so, we want the fruits of the Spirit evident in our marriage and our homes. And to be able to do that, we have to apply those to our finances as well. Listen, listen. Oh, oh, oh. years back, I don't know what I'm saying, a few years back, we heard this just really sad story of this couple that were having some problems, come on, they they had lost the fuel, and they were beginning to settle for divorce, and and listen, they didn't know that one of the spouse had a secret credit card, and they were in debt like Mm -hmm. $60,000, like here's what I'm saying, Uh, we got to manage our money because God listen here's the thing God gives you enough to produce what you need we have to manage it the last thing and we're landing the plane is it all right we're good all right the last thing is we got to prioritize sex okay let's talk about listen listen hey God cares about sex when we have it how much we have it and who we have it with come on somebody listen sex was made for marriage Sex was created so that man and woman, listen, could come together. If you read Song of Solomon's, okay, Song of Solomon, you can find out that there were two people who described their love life as mutually desiring and enjoyable. I'm not trying to make you uncomfortable about talking about sex, but the truth of the matter is you can't watch one TV show without seeing it. Okay, so the church has got to step into this. The, the marriage bed tells the story of your marriage. No intimacy over a long period of time is a sign of an empty tank. Something's going on. There is hurt, offense, busyness, pain, depression, distraction. Come on. And, and, I, and I'm saying this not to uncover because I know that, 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 that everybody has a different schedule. Everybody, some, sometimes men work nights and women work mornings and I, I get all that. But you've got to find rhythm. Right. You've got to find rhythm. Sex takes work and it's not like the movies. Yo, you're not going <laughs> to, you know, have one meal and all of a sudden really cool music plays behind you. That you're like, where did that come from? And then all of a sudden, you're good at sex. Come on, does that make sense? It it takes practice and it takes conversation. Okay? Yeah, and I think that speaks to every area that we're talking about being in sync. It takes practice, every single area for the rest of your marriage. whether you're on day one or day a thousand hundred, uh, those are things that we're going to have to work on. But one of the things that I want to point out is that women, it's okay. Kids go to bed and we go ahead and turn on another compartment. We have to be intentional. Like, okay, this is a moment that I want to, you know, turn on my desire for my husband, turn on uh, sexiness, lock the door. We're, we're going into what is necessary for our marriage to thrive Good. and for it to be life-giving. So men, obviously... 
I want to encourage you that sex doesn't start when you see some thigh. Hey! Bow, chicken, bow, bow. You know, men, we have to remember that sex starts in the morning. Start, sex starts days before with kindness and with encouragement and with help. You know, if, you know, if you're taking the kids to school one morning, taking, you know, putting them to bed, you know, those kind of things take up a lot of um, emotional energy. That's right. And so we can invest in our relationship by investing in those little things that feel very small, but basically turn into big results. Listen, sex sometimes is passionate. Yeah. And sometimes it's just necessary. Okay? And so if you don't know that, then you're thinking, oh, you know, our, our sex life is a dead life because it ain't like the movies. The Bible tells us that we give sex because our wife and husband need it. And so sometimes it is passionate, but sometimes it's necessary. And, and, and we, listen, we have it and it takes both to initiate it. Okay, there's not just one chaser right. in the marriage. Don't get so busy and tired that your love life is retired. You know what I'm saying? Like, like come on, hey. Romantic moments don't just happen. They have to be intentional. They have to be planned. The more responsibility you carry, the easier it is to completely forget to be kind to your spouse or to do something romantic. And so there needs to be a little bit of intentionality. And it's not just a Caribbean cruise or a nice night out at a a dinner, like a restaurant with reservations or a Pinterest date. Okay, so that is great, but it's not what builds romantic intimacy. Building romantic intimacy is in the little things in life that inserts itself into the grind of everyday life, the hard parts of everyday life, the routine of everyday life that speaks to each other and says, hey, I want to make sure that you know you're important. I want to make sure that I see that you're working hard and I want to help you. I want to make sure you know that you're wanted and you're loved. Listen, you got to be there. You got to be there. You got to share in the good days and you got to be present in the hard days. Becoming one means taking care of each other physically, physically, as if you're one body. This is how intimacy grows. This is how, listen, we stay in sync. This is how we stay in sync. And so here's the takeaway God's viewpoint for marriage is that. It's so easy for our world to distort it, devalue it, and then dump it. It's easy to lose sight of God's structure for marriage. Today, if you're single and you haven't decided if you even want to get married yet, or maybe you're, you, you haven't decided if you want to get remarried, we understand, listen, yo, that there is absolutely no pressure and there is no expectation. We're just asking you to value marriage. We're asking you to value the structure and promote it even if God has other plans for you. If you're married today, come on, listen. Don't just think we can make it. Stay connected. Stay synced. Listen, remember your pairing was something that God put together. Today, let's take a moment. Come on and let's pray over our marriages. Thank you for listening to this week's podcast. We would love to hear how this message impacted you. Feel free to let us know on the Contact Us tab of the house website. We hope you have a great week.